This is part of a series. It's a two-part series. Today, it's my view of the World Economic Forum and what happened at Davos. Now, I wasn't there. Um, obviously, I do a lot of show research. I'm a little addicted to that. You know that about me. Um, tomorrow, you're going to hear from a friend of mine, new friend. I hope he's a friend, uh, colleague at least in podcasting, a uh, guy named Andrew Lawton, who is a friend of the great Mark Stein. And Andrew was in Davos, Davos, and interviewed some people. And I think he has a um, more nuanced view of the World Economic Forum. I mean, he hates their policies. <laughs> he hates the tyranny that's, that Trudeau has pushed down on Canada. He's been pepper sprayed by cops because he was there documenting what happened with the truckers. So he's a freedom fighter. He's just, I don't think, thinks the World Economic Forum is as evil as I think it is, largely because I don't think he thinks it's running things to the degree which I do. That's tomorrow. But today, how on earth could I ever think these guys are running everything? The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, Here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. It is times such as these into which the Lord calls us to make a decision. You're making one now. You do it passively or you do it actively. In other words, it's something you choose to do or it's done on to you by your inactivity. I was this weekend down in the land of Alan Soaps. I didn't get to get as far south as I liked or I would have hung with them. Alan's Artisan Soaps, a great partner of ours. We're so very proud of the work that they do. And the, the way they partner with us, giving us bars of soap for our event in Bothell, we are going to do more events. I don't know that they'll be on the theme of, will God rescue America? Because I think we're going to begin to explore that significantly on the podcast. And the whole, the whole series of, will God rescue America is really an effort to ask all of us to make sure that if we want America rescued, well, then let's put God in the right place, which is God is above all things. And if we do that, I believe that God will, will make his face shine once again upon our country. But that's a consolation prize. Because the big pursuit, the big prize is having eternity with the Lord Jesus. That's the big prize. So by putting God in his right place and then acting accordingly, we don't only get the consolation prize, we get the main prize. So if we want to save America, let's skip over the consolation prize thing and go straight to the thing that will, in fact, have God shine his face upon us. So we may explore that in other events. We will definitely take the show on the road. I don't know that it's going to be in the theme of will God rescue America? Perhaps it will be. Um, but we're already conceiving of one show um, that is going to be live, which is, which is almost purely political. And it is last chance for the West Coast. And we may take that on. We'll let you know as that continues. So this is a two-parter. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I've already recorded with Andrew Lawton, uh, who is a Canadian and very smart, very smart, very successful, super good podcaster, um, very funny, um, super level-headed. And I think there are those who think that I'm not level-headed. 
And maybe I'm not. There are those who think I'm reactionary. Maybe I am. Uh, except, I, I don't believe it's egotistical to say, well, how, how have we been right? And furthermore, I don't think I produce anything. That's been beaten out of me. As I've been discipled in the Lord Jesus, I don't think of myself as anything other than a clay pot. Just unable to produce things that value with uh, apart from our Father in Heaven and, and the Lord. So I think that's my heart. And I would ask that, the, that God would search me for inequities if that's not in, in fact my heart, but I think it's my heart. We often work scripture into the show. I want to begin with scripture because we're going to talk about the World Economic Forum and why I think they're so utterly evil. Romans 12, verses 2 through 3, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For the grace, obviously the Apostle Paul, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Let's keep that verse, those verses in mind as I talk with you about why I think the World Economic Forum is uniquely evil. And let me start with the predicate. Do I think that Klaus Schwab personally runs the world? No. Do I think that Klaus Schwab has done a brilliant, absolutely stellar job of collecting around him the people who can run the world? Yes. Do they have a desire to run the world? Undoubtedly. Are they working on making that come true? Absolutely. Is it a freedom-oriented group? No, nothing like it. It's not in any way, shape, matter, idea, faction, or form of freedom-oriented group. Do they love humanity? No. Only portions of humanity. They love one-seventh, one-sixth to one-seventh of the planet. They always include themselves in the group that should be loved. Did they pull off the COVID response? Without a doubt. Did they plan for it? Yes, Event 201 proves they planned for it. Did they, in fact, push it around the globe? Absolutely. There's no argument. Every so-called public health sector acted in absolute contravention of science, absolutely against established, rigorous scientific um, practicalities and known behaviors. Was there an economic payoff for them? Yes. Hospitals were paid for shoving remdesivir into people's uh, veins, which killed a bunch of them. You know the stories well as I do. Early treatment was for the first time ever where people were told to go home until they couldn't breathe. That was World Economic Forum stuff. And they, they have a goal. They want fewer people on earth. Not them, mind you, us. And as Andrew will point out on the show tomorrow, and I encourage you to listen to it. It's, it's, it's super important that we check ourselves. That, that we test our own theories because, man, I, I can easily get into bubble think because I, I, I virtually live alone. My family's here. Obviously, I live with my family. I'm blessed to do that. But I don't sit around and talk World Economic Forum stuff with my daughter. My wife and I talk about it a lot. But I don't head out of the house and drive down the mountain and, and go into my little bait shop and say, let's talk World Economic Forum. I'm much more interested in how you kids. How's the grandkids? How's the shoulder surgery you have? Here's how mine's going. But when there's wise counsel, and the Bible has this at least 16 Bible verses on speaking wise counsel or seeking it, you know, so in a way, having Andrew on tomorrow is my way of seeking wise counsel. 
someone who views this a little bit differently than I do. So let's start with something I am begging. I am begging to find out this is a deep fake. I truly want this to not be real. And if it comes back and it's a deep fake, I'm going to celebrate it, that it was a deep fake, that he didn't actually say these things. But this is audio and video of the Pfizer CEO who, remember, remember, he knew his pills killed people. Probably his injections killed people. He knew the mRNA was unstable and untested. He said he was really surprised that the government chose the mRNA. He could, of course, said no. He knows to this day that it is more deadly for kids than helpful and more harmful than helpful. He knows this. He lied about the trials. They lied about the effectiveness. All this stuff is stuff that they do. This is something that Pfizer does as habit. They don't give a hoot about human lives. That's, that's settled by their own behaviors. So I guess when he says this, I shouldn't find it remarkable, but I will say again, I am begging for this to have been a deep fake. I think that uh, it's really fulfilling of a dream that we had together with my leadership team when we started in 19. Uh, the first week we met in January of 19 in California and to set up the goals for the next five years. And one of them was by 2023, we will reduce the number of people in the world by 50%. I think today, this dream is becoming a reality. So it's really a purpose-driven company. (laughs) They are small G gods in their minds. They're going to decide the population of the earth. They're going to decide the potential life that will never become life. And the Lord will allow this until the Lord doesn't allow it. Because the Lord said, be fruitful and multiply. I had this, uh, there was this great line that my pastor, Jim, spoke the other day through the Lord. The Lord spoke through Jim, I should say. And uh, he was talking about church attendance and coming back into the body of Christ. And he was talking about the complaints people have about church. Yeah, but the, the music, I can't stand the music. I can't stand it. And I want hymns, not the modern songs. And, and it's too early and they don't have the right times. And, and then he said this, and the church is so big. It's way too big because ours, ours is a big church. It's the first big church I've ever attended. I didn't want to attend. I didn't want to like it. I walked out, this is really big. No one's going to know anybody. And, and, and then Jim said this. Do you think that the Lord thinks it's too big? you think God thinks the church is too big? Do you think the Lord that said be fruitful and multiply is saying, yeah, but stop now? Just big newsflash. If the Lord decides there's too many people, he can do things. Like overnight. And he could do that with knowledge we don't have, that these people, these tyrannists don't have, these authoritarians don't have. The Lord could say, you know what? I'm going to bring a bunch of my people home. Uh, hey, well done, good and faithful servants. Come home. Knowing that it's not death he's dealing out, but it's a, it's a transfer to eternity. 
And he could do that knowing, hey, you know what? I'm going to bring a bunch of my uh, my children home because there's too many people on the on the planet. He, he could do that any time he wants to. But these guys are picking and choosing this. And to think that they're just doing it passively, when you have the attitude that you are deciding how many people live, you are a problem. And let's take this right back to their behaviors. His injections kill people. They maim people. They make people unable to reproduce in all likelihood, given the things that we're seeing in miscarriages and stillbirths, unprecedented levels thereof, giving the an ethical skeptic is tracking this. What we've seen is a massive increase in all-cause mortality. Among some groups like millennials, it approaches 200% increase in all-cause mortality. That is the hockey stick that never happens, and it's happened. Those are dead people who shouldn't be dead, statistically speaking, and yet they're very, very dead. And he's speaking here about reducing the population. Well, when people don't get their cancer treated, they're going to die. So let's compare some things here. This is the CEO of Moderna, also World Economic Forum cat. Let's compare some things. They want to reduce the population, but they want to make sure people are taking the pills that Big Pharma talks doctors into giving people because they want to make sure that those, those, those prescriptions or acted upon. As Seth knows, we're now throwing those into the garbage. It's, it's sad to say. I'm in the process of throwing 30 million doses into the garbage because nobody wants them. Uh, we have a big demand problem. We right now have uh, governments, we try to contact, not only Seth who is doing great work with his team trying to get demand into the countries, but also we contacted through the Washingtons in, the embassies in Washington, every country, and nobody wants to take them. And so the change we have now is it's very different situation than we had two years ago. The problem we had two years ago is there was no mRNA capacity in the world, zero. The situation is very different today. Modern has $3 billion of annual capacity. Pfizer has $4 billion at $7 billion. And the Chinese don't want the vaccines of mRNA. So if you just take the just the Chinese population out, you have more than a dose per person. And as we just discussed, the issue in many countries is people don't want vaccines. In the US, people don't want vaccines. Around the world, we have a lot of people who don't want the vaccine as a problem Seth and his team are working against. So we don't have a capacity issue around the planet. It is not true. It was true two years ago. It's not true today. Okay. So they're saying that they can't get people to accept the injections, right? With all the downward pressure, with all the promotion they've created around this, they can't get people to take the injections. So let's compare and contrast a little bit. What are they seeking? What technology do they seek? Let's go back to the Pfizer CEO. And let's go back to something that he said, right? Because my whole notion of the World Economic Forum in Davos is they're going to charm us and con us 
and tell us you're going to be happy owning nothing and you don't get to travel as much and you don't get to eat as much meat and we're going to throw out the mathematics of how businesses function and we're going to go to the ESG score. Everything they're doing always comes with, and if you don't come along voluntarily, we'll force you. They forced people to take that garbage. We see an end result of a reduction in lifespan. We see the end result of the highest levels of mortality we've ever seen in these young groups. Well, in all the groups, it's all caused mortalities up by 40% at least. And we're just getting rolling on this. That's a man saying, and again, I beg it to be fake. I hope it's a deep fake saying he wants to reduce the population. His company wants to reduce the population by 53%. That's a guy saying at Moderna, well, we can't even give away this, this trash now because people are hip to it. No one will take it any longer. Very few people will. Let's go back to the Pfizer CEO. What sort of technology are they producing? There's no guarantee that the patient is going to take the drug or wear the device. So how are you thinking about technology to engage the patient? Yeah. Again, maybe I will use an example. I think uh, it's fascinating what's happening in this field right now. I mean, FDA approved the first uh, electronic pill, if I can call it like that. So it is a... basically biological chip that it is in the tablet and once you take the tablet and dissolves into your stomach sends a signal that you took the tablet so imagine the applications of that uh, compliance uh, the insurance companies to know that the medicines that patients should take they do take them uh, it is uh, fascinating what happens in in uh, this field Fascinating what happens in this field and what we will force you to take because eventually we will come along and say, we have mailed you the pill. It has a tracking code. We will know when you take the pill that it is you because it will match up to your DNA profile. It will not release unless it matches your DNA profile. We'll be using the DNA we have gathered over the years that we don't even any longer have to have you come into a clinic. Uh, It will match your DNA profile, a footprint, uh, will send back to us that, yes, you took the pill at that time. Uh, it will be released, that information. Uh, and then we can track things uh, that in addition to whether you took the pill. See, uh, look, this goes back to maybe it's a background in tech. So, again, like we'll talk with Andrew tomorrow. He has a different view about the World Economic Forum than I do. And there will people who say that I am an alarmist. Well, I just know technology and I know technology people. And I know that if they can, they should in their mind. If we can, we should. If we can have self-driving cars, we should. If we can cut people out of the workforce, we should. If we can produce code and write it into the human body and turn people into living and breathing apps, we should. If we can modify human beings to the point that they're no longer homo sapien, we should. If in modifying human beings so that they're no longer homo sapien, only the rich people get to have the good version of that, we should. Because, of course, the rich people are more valuable than the others. As World Economic Forum, uh, people say time and time and time and time and time and time and time again. We should. If we can produce, take a, a pig's womb and put it into a man... And then have that man get inseminated to be pregnant so that man can pretend to be a woman and a little baby is gestated in the the womb of a swine and then born through the anal cavity of a man or through C-section. We should because that's what we should do because we can. This is how so many technologists think. 
So he here describes a tracking pill, but certainly it's going to be voluntary, right? Right? And, and they're not like working on other, they're the only company working on that, right? That's the only thing they'd want to track, right? Is there a biological activity? Sadly, no. So in Davos, they're talking about recalibrating speech. They're talking about voluntary efforts to track what you eat. Voluntary technology to track your carbon output. Not theirs, yours. This is the World Economic Forum. I think they are a very, very evil group. Does Klaus Schwab run the whole world? No. Has he done a good job of gathering the people who can and want to? Absolutely brilliant job. Absolutely brilliant. Um, over the, gosh, how long have Zach and I now done a, a, a podcast segment together once a Friday? It's, gosh, it's four or five months now. So it's a lot of time we've spent together and we were friends before this. I think you know something about someone I said the other day about Zach, um, that Bulwark Capital Management, that, that I learned a lot about him in working out with him. Because I think when you see people toil, you learn a lot about them. And particularly when someone will say, hey, I'm not ready for that particular workout yet, you learn about their humility. Well, having them on the show, here's what else gives me great confidence in Bulwark Capital Management. It's this. Zach is on the radio show. <laughs> Gosh, I can never end that. Zach is on the podcast what he is in person. There's no public Zach and private Zach. So the advice he talks about on the program in terms of what's going on in this economy, he says, look, it's a screwed up rigged system and it's the only system we have and people can still do well in this system, but not with the old classic 60-40 stock bond mix, not with 0% interest rates, not when they're printing money, right? So whether it's estate planning or it's questions about long-term care, and social security, all these things in a good portfolio work together along with your standing investments, along with your retirement account. Here's where Bulwark Capital Management really hits it out of the park, risk management. You may have done a brilliant job of building a portfolio. If so, congratulations. Perhaps you don't need Bulwark Capital Management or anyone else, but are you prepared for the storm that's coming economically? We saw what happened to Bitcoin. We know that energy is radically underfunded. We know that the World Economic Forum type people want to blow up the existing system, hence the ESG score. Bulwark Capital Management focuses on risk management and they'll do it for you. So call and test the waters. It's 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management's an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. So it's not, it's not just Pfizer and that, that wants to track you. This is the CEO of the Alibaba Group. And Andrew's going to tell you something about this guy tomorrow, Andrew Lawton. We'll tell you something about this, this, this actor in the World Economic Forum, Davos crowd. Again, Andrew was there. We're going to air that tomorrow, that discussion. I enjoyed the discussion, by the way, that we see things a little bit differently. I had a fun time talking to Andrew. So here is the group president, one group president of the Alibaba group. Alibaba, of course, is a Chinese company, meaning it's mobbed up with the Chinese Communist Party because you don't get to be otherwise. We're developing through technology an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. What does that mean? 
That's where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So individual carbon footprint tracker. Mm. Stay tuned. We don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. See, they speak of these things as if they're all voluntary. But they always admit when they're pushed. They always admit that they don't care if it's voluntary. Eventually, they're willing to push people. Eventually, they're willing to force things. They did it with the injections. They're doing it with the global minimum tax. They will do it in other ways when it pleases them to do it. This is, I believe it's the finance minister in India. And I'll ask Andrew tomorrow about this. You'll hear me ask him about this conversation. This is our guest tomorrow, Andrew Lawton, who talked with the Indian finance minister who was there at Davos. He asks him about the ESG, the, you know, the global warming, pardon me, climate catastrophe. Listen so very closely to this gentleman's answer. I'm just wondering what the, the climate, what the global emissions are for this conference. Like, does the WEF tell people to not take private jets here? I'm sorry, guys. I'm on the Wrong clip. My apologies. That was the World Economic Forum head of climate. <laughs> I'll get to the right clip. That's the World Economic Forum head of climate. She doesn't have time to, to talk about the, <laughs> the carbon footprint uh, of the event. Now, here's the Indian, um, here's the Indian finance minister with Andrew Lawton. Uh, you were on a panel about oil and gas and energy yeah, this yeah, morning. Do you yeah. think uh, phasing out of fossil fuels is actually a realistic goal? Look, uh, I said what I had to. But, you know, if you were to do that survey in uh, different parts of the world, if you were to do it, for instance, in South, Ash South Asia or Africa or in uh, Latin America, you'd get results that might be a little different from the kind of results you're getting here. I love something he says there. First of all, the honesty, you might get different results. Well, yeah, because they can't afford to, to, to tool around on their little scooters. They can't afford to pay higher energy rates by virtue of being forced to use solar. But listen again, there's something so very key he says here. Right here, he says something about him speaking. Uh, you were on a panel about oil and gas and energy yeah, this yeah, morning. Do you yeah. think uh, phasing out of fossil fuels is actually a realistic goal? Look, uh, I said what I had to. Right there. I said what I had to. I said what I had to. There's a lot of ways to interpret that. Oh, I said whatever. I, I said what I had to say. I came to say some things. I said it. That's not what I hear. Is that what you hear? <laughs> I hear a guy saying, I said what I had to. I was told to say things. I said what I had to. That's what I said, what I had to. So let's go back. There are people who will say that the laggards have to be regulated. That's a guy saying, I said what I had to. We're going to get these different results. There are actors on the global stage at the World Economic Forum, for instance, who talk about the fact that the laggards, those of us who do not want to have our activities tracked, those of us who aren't going to sign up for the ESG score, we're going to be treated as laggards. Well, what does that mean if we're treated as laggards? 
it goes right back to the same exact pattern. These people wanted to invent a, they want, they want people to be transhuman because it's huge money, it's huge control, and it makes them godlike in their eyes. So they went behind the scenes. They funded it through the Thomas Reuters Foundation and the world's largest law firm. And they pushed the transgender lie into the schools and into so-called public health directors. They pushed it behind the scenes. They made sure it was not done through legislation, but through diktat. And all of a sudden there it was. They did that. They helped fund that. They're all in on this. So they forced it upon us. They want to be able to control exactly what we put in our bodies at any time. So they forced it upon us. They want to be able to limit our travel because they don't like our freedoms. So they force it upon us. This is Andrew. He's back at the economic, World Economic Forum in Davos. And he asks another question. So what is it that uh, you're doing here at uh, the World Economic Forum? So we're the World Business Council for Sustainable Development. We're talking to all the business leaders about how we can get action to scale up because we need real system transformation. And this is the place to talk about that. I'm from Canada where the oil and gas sector is, is critical to the economy. And when a lot of people in that industry hear about uh, sustainable development, they hear about basically programs that are going to uh, outlaw their industry. So uh, what is the place for oil and gas in, in your ideal future for business? Well, it's clear that over the long run, we need to uh, move away from fossil fuels, but we need transition pathways out of it. The world has a, a lot of need for energy and we'll have that for the coming periods, but we need to begin to invest in alternatives. We need to really then work with the oil and gas companies to say, what are those alternatives? And can we create investable solutions together with them? So that's really the conversations we're having here. Do you think the market is capable of dealing with these things or do you think it ultimately comes from governments that have to uh, push the market into these things? No, I think capital markets are actually in the lead at the moment. So more and more investors are beginning to map what are climate risks, how do certain assets com compare to those climate risks, begin to price it in. And so over time, what you'll see is companies that really are investing in the transitions will attract the lower cost of capital and that's going to accelerate the transition. And then, yes, sure, the laggards, they will need to be regulated towards uh, those type of solutions. The laggards will need to be regulated. We were laggards. We wouldn't take their injections, and so they regulated it. Parents weren't enthusiastic about pumping wrong sex hormones into their kids and having their genitalia mutilated, so they regulated it. They wanted to be able to control our bodies. So the same groups of people pushed Obamacare. They regulated it. You have to go through one of our approved plans if you want to be able to pay for, for health care. So they regulated it. They want every surgeon to have to perform sexual mutilation on children. So they regulate it. They want a world where people eat far less meat. So they regulate it. Because they want us eating the food they provide. That's Franken food. Because they really have control. They want to live on 200, 300 acre ranches. Multiple, multiple ones. But they want us to live in cities. Therefore, they make it difficult to live in rural environments. And they're willing to regulate it. 
They want the world economy upturned. So they have complete autocratic control. That's what the ESG score is. The ESG score is emotional grading of businesses. It's their emotions for how they view the planet. And the ESG score is simply putting math around their emotions. There's no scientific consensus at all on the earth becoming inexorably warmer. Well, they pretend there is just as they pretended the consensus was everybody needed to lock down. So how is it that I can view this group as so uniquely evil because everything they talk about is uniquely evil. Everything they talk about comes with the threat of risk. This is the same group that speaks about recalibrating free speech. Remember that clip we ran where they want to recalibrate free speech? Well, that's fascinating because it lines up with a global effort to fight independent journalists. And on that, our guest tomorrow, Andrew Lawton, and I agree. In fact, he has been pepper sprayed and there's a woman he has on his Twitter account. She's a leftist. And he was very upset to see her arrested for simply just showing up herself to cover a conservative event. Yeah, so-called conservative had her arrested. We'll get into that as, as we continue to roll through the program. The, oh man, wow, this is a brutal comparison. Here we are talking about the minor gods, the small G gods, that is demonic gods that, that want to control what we eat, what we breathe, where we live. Um, they want to be able to track our bodies. And I'm not making any of this more hysterical than it is. I'll get back to the quote that proves this all, because if you can speak this in a company and you're not kicked out of it, then that company is a very, very evil company. So the absolute opposite of this, the, the pureness of Allen's Artisan Soaps. It is pure. It is created in America. It is created uh, with the help of a company, of um, actually a family that's produced soap for three generations, first in the old country, uh, then here in the United States, it's all natural ingredients. It comes with uh, unbelievably unique scents. If you're curious, my favorite scent is cedarwood jasmine to this day. My second is vanilla lime. My wife loves the lavender rosemary because she loves that. She loves lavender, lavender, and happens to love rosemary. That, by the way, that scent was in, was uh, was inspired by Alan's grandma, who's Alan. Well, he's the namesake. But, but he's not a logo. He's a real human being. He's 11 going on 12. He is in nonverbal. He is deeply impacted by autism and some structural health things that would cause other people to simply lay around all day. Um, Alan's not raised that way, and he's not that way himself. He is the chief soap officer. He works there every single day. And it's not just one company we're talking about. When you purchase soap from Allen's Artisan Soaps, particularly when you get on the subscription plan, the Herminator subscription sub, you are promoting a philosophy. That is that lives like Allen's matter, that they should be allowed the dignity of work. And in fact, their creativity is just as creative as anyone else's. Okay, so here's how you back that play. You back All Lives Matter. This is how you get these soaps. This is how you back the philosophy. So next time someone says, well, what do you do for the lives once they're born? You can say, well, a lot of things, including I cleanse my body with soap from someone you would have aborted. It's Allen's Soaps, A-L-A-N-S, soaps.com slash Todd. 
allensoaps.com slash Todd, 10% off, lifetime. Subscription plan, six bars of soap, a soap rack, a soap pouch, and a fluff. allensoaps.com slash Todd. So back to the World Economic Forum type people, the Davos type people talking about this case regulating free speech. Now, does that sound familiar? So why do I think these guys have massive influence? Because they want speech regulated. What has all of a sudden happened in America? Censorship all of a sudden is sexy. Who says so? Journalists who work in free speech suddenly love themselves some censorship. Who else says so? Academics. Who else says so? The party. Kevin McCarthy, for instance, going and saying Facebook needs to shut down these conservatives who think the election was stolen. They can't be allowed to say that. The First Amendment says you can't address grievances against the government unless the government agrees their proper grievances. Well, it just so happens that the World Economic Forum Davos type people have a similar view. We are finding ourselves in a place um, where we're we have increasing polarization everywhere, and everything feels binary when it doesn't need to be. So, I think we're going to have to think about a recalibration of a whole range of human rights that are playing out online. You know, from freedom of speech to the freedom to you know to be free from on- online violence, or the uh, right of data protection to the right. So this is a woman speaking of child dignity. We'll, We'll talk about that in just a second. Okay. That's theory. Here's application. The Ministry of Truth here, which they floated to do in public what they're already doing in private by shadow banning, by telling Facebook to take this or that group down, by using phrases like COVID denier, losing phrases like anti-vax COVID denier, saying that people who are skeptical of the COVID response or the injections are domestic terrorists. All these are precursors to the banning of speech. And we all know this. And this is practiced. It is brilliantly done. I talked for years about the fact that people would say, oh, these are just little snowflakes on campus. You know, don't don't be afraid of the little snowflakes. And I would say, like, I don't fear any man. I fear God. I don't fear any man. But these are little baby Khmer Rouges. They're raised to believe that speech is violence. And in fact, not just speech, but silence is violence. They're going to come into the world. They're going to get into professions. They're going to act this way in their professions. They're going to be speech banners. And here they are, speech banners. And here's the World Economic Forum saying we need to recalibrate free speech. So why on earth would I think that these guys have such massive outsized control when all of their policies and desires seem to be being enacted in government? But that's just an example. Oh, but what about this? What about then the attack on dissident journalists? You know Cheryl Atkinson. I'm proud to say that when Cheryl went independent, I was one of the first radio hosts to have her on the show back in the Seattle radio show days. Cheryl Atkinson, of course, reported on Benghazi and other things inconvenient to Barack Hussein Obama. Mm -mm -mm. God bless Rush. Cheryl Atkinson had some interesting things to say, some alarming things to say about how the government has treated her. Of course, you know that she went to court to say that the government had hacked her computer and in fact had um, gotten into her parents' 
uh, phones and computers and that we're, we're trying to punish her for reporting the truth about Benghazi. Here she is in a conference with Congressman Matt Gates and others. One little reported facet of my case is one of the federal agents involved in one of the operations against me said that they intended to plant child porn in my husband's computer. This is the FBI. There's been a case um, that's currently in litigation unrelated in which an FBI agent has testified that they did that. They have done that. It was not accomplished in my case. I guess the, the curtain was drawn on that facet of the operation prior to them doing it. But imagine how you ever get out of that. How you, they, they knew we had a young daughter at home and had allegedly conspired to do that. So they'll plant evidence, but that's, that's insane. They would not wait. The Clinton campaign hired someone to hack the DNS services at the White House to plant evidence of ties with Russia. The corruption is so thick and so large and so ungodly that it brings me back to this biblical quote. Romans 12, verse two, three, uh, 2 and 3. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Um, did we hear anything in any of these clips where these people are thinking highly of themselves. And what are they attempting to do? They're attempting to transform the world. <laughs> I am part and parcel truth. I'm a, I'm a test case. I am, I am evidence of the fact that the Lord can use any broken vessel. The Lord can use vile people towards his ends. On one end of the spectrum, I believe that the Lord is allowing us to see what is and how evil and how profoundly evil the world economic form is. That's on one side of this. On the other side of this, there is an entertainer. And he proves why the party hates free speech. He proves why they want to recalibrate free speech. Because in their world, Skeptical people who use logic are a massive risk. Massive. So let's test that theory with a guy named Ricky Gervais. So Ricky was at the, he hosted what, the Emmys, Academy Awards? I don't know, and I don't care. I just remember that he was the guy who called out Hollywood for having no moral standing to lecture America. He's the one who talked about and suggested the entire pedophilia thing. And all the audience got really, really uncomfortable when he mentioned that, the, 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 the problem that Hollywood has with sexualizing young children. Remember that clip? So he's certainly aware of the evils that are going on in our country. And in fact, globally, Christopher Rufo has an article out called Banging Beyond Binaries. It's a school, Delphia, a school in Philadelphia that, and I, I'm sorry, uh, if, if you have kids listening, give just a, give, give about a 30 second break. 
This school encouraged teachers to attend a conference on kink, BDSM, so-called trans sex, and masturbation sleeves. This was an opportunity for them to be able to go back and teach about things so important, such as this. This is from a video that, um, that, that, that Rufo obtained. The event included things like the adolescent pathway, preparing young people for gender-affirming care. How about this? Bigger dick energy, life after masculinizing. That's so-called gender reassignment surgery, and they call it bigger dick because their contention is that the clitoris is simply a small penis. Prosthetics for sex, the ins and outs of masturbation sleeves and trans sex, banging beyond boundaries. This is for teachers in public schools. It is, in fact, the worship of sex. It is, in fact, the perversion of God's plan for sexual union. It is, in fact, brain-breaking for kids. It is, in fact, showing teachers you are, in fact, simply sex counselors. That's what you are. Why? Because Satan uses sex so, so often. Why? In my mind, because it's the one time we get to help God with something so important, such as the creation of life. He does that through us. That's why Satan does it, and he hates humanity. Satan, Satan hates us. He's a thief, a liar, and a murderer. He wants us all cast into hell, so he does these things. So Ricky Gervais is doing as a foul-mouthed man who I don't think knows the Lord, and if he does, Ricky, please forgive me. But the Lord can use anybody. This is why these people can't stand free speech. Rufo is an example of why they're trying to destroy independent journalism. That article is an example of why they're shutting down free speech and why the World Economic Forum hates it. So the World Economic Forum that is paid to push the trans lie into the heads of kids, here is a very foul-mouthed man named Ricky Gervais absolutely destroying them with mockery. The old-fashioned women. Oh, God. You know, the ones with wombs. Oh. <laughs> Those f***ing dinosaurs. Oh. No, I love the, the new women. I know the new women. They're great, aren't they? The, you know, the new ones we've been seeing lately. The, the ones with beards and f***s. They're as good as... They're as good as gold. I love them. No, it's the old-fashioned. And now the old-fashioned, they're like, oh, they want to use our toilets. Why shouldn't they use your toilets? For ladies. They are ladies. Look at their pronouns. <laughs> what about this person that isn't a lady? Well, his penis. <laughs> Her penis, you f***ing bigot. <laughs> what if he rapes me? What if she rapes you? <laughs> you f***er, whore. Foul mouth. Broken vessel. And the Lord can use people like that in ways he cannot use people like us. The solution? Well, it is to arm ourselves in light. To put on Christ. To wear the full armor of God. And to look for instances like that where cultural icons, and he is an icon. We will not iconize him. But where cultural icons can make the statements for us. We need to get very, very good at mocking 
And by the way, mocking is in fact, has some biblical precedent. The apostle Paul, he mocked. He did it very brilliantly. Men of Athens, I see that you're very religious. In fact, walking through the city, I saw that you go so far as to have an icon to an unknown God. It's mocking. We, however, know whom we worship. Unknown gods in Davos. Reversing God's will. So they think. But I have a sneaky little bit of news for the people in Davos who consider themselves men and women gods. You ain't. You ain't. And the God of the universe, I need you to know that he will not be mocked. And that one day you will stand face to face and answer. And he's anxious to forgive. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind. And when we do programs like this, I always want to pray that the Lord will reveal to me my inequities, my sin, because I just spent the last 48 minutes and 30 seconds talking about other people's specks in their eyes.